Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Each of you tonight, we're so glad you're here with us. If you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 50, if you'd turn there with me. Uh, one of the major uh, spiritual mistakes I see played out in this generation is a belief that if I just have some kind of spiritual encounter or some kind of spiritual religious experience, that automatically guarantees my destiny and dominion. Just to witness some people believe some kind of religious service, that that's going to automatically propel me into my destiny and my dominion. What's missing in the ingredient is an understanding of personal sacrifice that you're going to have to pay. This is what's triggered over the last decade or so. People will drive thousands of miles to see a holy tortilla. They'll attend a laughing revival. They'll look for a Toronto blessing. And in their mind, if I can just be in some kind of religious atmosphere and have this experience... That's going to guarantee dominion and destiny with God. And I want to tell you this evening, that is not true. I want to minister tonight, will you ever live your dream? Uh, Genesis 50, a couple of verses about a man named Joseph, verse 19. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for... I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Father, tonight we come by the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you move in this place tonight. I pray, God, you raise up workers and laborers. I pray, God, that you would prepare hearts for a great harvest, a saving of souls and lives. Bless these churches represented tonight, the ministry that's here. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to examine with you dreams of dominion and destiny. Because in our text, if you're familiar with Joseph, he has a powerful spiritual experience 
This is part of God's plan. In Genesis 37.5, it says, Now Joseph had a dream. This was real. This was authentic. It was genuine. It was from God. This dream had to do with God's desire concerning Joseph's future. It had to do with God's purpose for Joseph's life. It had to do with calling. No doubt there's men and women in this place tonight. You've had somewhere along the way as you've lived for God, God has pulled back the curtain and He's given you a glimpse of His possibilities through your life. This is a part of God's nature. You see this through the Bible? Peter, Acts 10, he's on the housetop praying. There's a sheet comes down from heaven. Heaven is opened. And here is this sheet filled with unclean. God says, take and eat. And Peter has this conversation with God. No unclean thing has ever crossed these lips. God says, don't call unclean what I've cleansed. There's going to be someone knock at your door, a Gentile. I want you to go with them. And we know out of that, uh, revival broke out through Cornelius' house. The Apostle Paul, one day he's standing. He does not have the direction, the mind of God. Will it be Asia? Or will it be Europe? As he's standing there, a Macedonian man appears in a vision. And says come over. And Paul followed that call. And revival swept through Europe. And we could trace it even to our roots. As we're here this evening. We know John in the book of Revelation. He's on the isle of Patmos. Revelations 1.10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. And the book of Revelation began to unfold. We could go on and on. Paul is in a storm at sea. There's fear for their lives. He's laying hold of God and he says, There stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve. Peter, James, and John at a critical time in their discipleship, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. Here's this powerful experience. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. His robe became white and glistening. Behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah. Verse, a cloud came overshadowed them. They were fearful. They entered the cloud. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And so here again... We see three disciples having a powerful, spiritual, genuine experience. Isaiah is so familiar. Many of you have heard it preached. Uh, that powerful text in Isaiah 6. Uh, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. And here's the altar and seraphims. Um, and all of this is transpiring um, the upper room, a sound from heaven like rushing mighty wind. As I said, we could go on. Paul struck from his animal. A light shone around him from heaven. A voice speaking to him. Why do you kick against the pricks of Paul? Cornelius, as I mentioned, he stood. And here direction was given to him. Paul and Silas in prison. 
Paul later caught up into the third heaven. All of these were valid, powerful, genuine. No doubt very emotional, uh, uh, moving. Uh, I No doubt in my mind if you spoke with these men, uh, they would tell you about this experience. Uh, it was implanted. It was crystallized on their mind and spirit. Um, and no doubt uh, I believe there are men and women here today You've had similar, maybe not quite as extraordinary, but somewhere along the way, God will pull back the curtain and He says, this is the possibilities that I can do through your life. Call it vision, calling. Put a name on it. But the question, what was the purpose? Why? Did these men have these encounters with God? Were they simply that they could testify about some kind of emotional religious experience? Was it so they could write a book or make you and I feel good or excite a crowd? Or was it so they could become filled with pride? There's disciples here tonight. Wives, men and women, God has touched you along the way and you're going to have to digest why. Because none of these men in the Bible seem to be looking or expecting what happened to them. Yes, some of them were praying. Some of it was times of fasting. They were seeking God though, not the experience. They were laboring for God. They were in the upper room. Isaiah was in the temple. John was in the spirit. Sometimes these encounters, though, were totally unexpected. Moses, one day, thinking his life's over 40 years on the backside because he had missed God, and a bush begins to burn. And as he turns aside, God speaks. And what God had declared 40 years before was ignited once again in his heart. But you have to agree It was probably unexpected. Paul being knocked from his animal, totally unexpected. Peter, the sheet from heaven. First Samuel, you read about Samuel. Again, here's a young boy. He's in the house of God. He's been dedicated to God's call and purpose. One night, there's a voice calls his name. He doesn't have a clue it's God. He goes in and says, Eli, you called. Eli's the backslidden priest, and Eli says, no, I didn't call. Go back to bed. The voice says again, Samuel. He goes in again, and finally Eli has to instruct him. He says, listen, the next time you hear that voice um, say, speak, Lord, your servant hears, um, and hear this young boy have this powerful encounter of calling, um, and he had no clue what was transpiring. Joseph is about 17 years old, um, I don't think he went to bed that night planning to have a dream about his destiny and dominion. But all of these encounters in the Bible, and so will yours be also, it's God's purpose concerning you in the earth. What is God's purpose concerning you? I'm talking about something personal now. I'm not talking about our fellowship. 
I'm talking about you personally tonight. What is God's purpose for you personally in the earth? I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about perhaps five years. It's going to be 20 years before Joseph sees this dream or more come to pass. What about you if Jesus tarries? Fast forward five years, 10 years, perhaps 20. Who knows? Many of you are quite young. I don't know. I believe Jesus is coming. Uh, But what if? And you can testify and God touched me and God spoke and this happened and I was at the altar or I was in the prayer room or or I was at my home or I was in a conference or etc. But what's the purpose? It has to do normally with God's direction. Many times he wants to break down our resistance or prejudice. See, I wonder if Peter would have ever went to the house of Cornelius if he hadn't have had that encounter with God. I wonder if Isaiah would have accepted the call if the cherubim hadn't have taken the hot coals and burned his lips. Most of these we must come to grips with. They're preparing you for things to come. Sometimes it's to give you an assurance that God is going to help me down the road. God knows there's things that are going to happen. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be obstacles and hurdles. And God gives you this. So you'll not quit or falter. It's to sustain you and I. It's something to hold on to in the years to come. It also has to do with a separation and consecration. The Bible says, I'll probably read the verse later, that Joseph was separate from his brothers. That doesn't just mean he was separate because God gave him a dream. It means he was separate because of his heart. Let me ask you tonight, are you a candidate even? For God to meet you in this kind of arena. Are you separate? Are you just like all the others on the street? Or in the religious world? Have you taken your heart and placed it. In a position where God can come. And begin to pull back the curtain. This is the possibilities of your life. This is what I can do through you for me. Are you even a candidate this evening? Because it doesn't just happen to everyone. And God is elect. He chooses whom He chooses. In my life, I've had three specific times that I felt an unusual presence of God. An encounter where God spoke to me. And in all three of these, it was totally unexpected. I wasn't looking for this kind of experience. I remember as a new convert, and those of you at Channel, you've heard me talk about these over the years. I'm standing on a street corner, biker friends of mine, I made a decision. I'm going to sell my bike. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm totally cutting the ties of friendship, past lifestyle, and image. 
And I'll never forget, I turned to walk down the street and the Spirit of God come on me. I prayed a sinner's prayer a few weeks before that, maybe a couple of months, not one tear. But God came on me and He whispered in my spirit, if you'll be faithful, I will cause you to preach in the nations of the earth. I wasn't expecting that, had no clue, barely knew what the nations of the earth were. Went and told my pastor at that time, and I could tell it was all that he could do to keep from laughing. I remember a number of years when I was preparing actually to come to Arizona. I was going to pastor this church. I come from a very small town, about 900 population, counting everything that breathes. I'm driving around, my wife, my family and I are going to leave, my parents lived there at that time, I'm driving by a grade school, I went to grade school there, my parents have went to grade school there, my older brother and sister, my two oldest children, we'd all went to grade school, this little community school, and I'm driving by and it's like the glory of God filled that automobile, and God spoke two things to me, he says don't ever forget where you came from. And I felt like what he was saying was, no matter what I do in your life, don't forget your humble roots. Whatever happens, you must always remember that it was me and not you. The second thing he spoke was, don't allow where you came from to hinder you from where I want to take you. And I felt like that was the other side of the coin is that um, God says no matter where I take you on planet earth, you have to release your will into my will. This third time I was sitting in a little office just over the tracks here on Washington Street. Little office there in that building. God had moved powerfully. At that time we had... We'd had, I think the total building was five or 6,000 square feet. We'd knocked out a wall. We'd taken the whole building. Church was about 300 people. I'm sitting in my little office there one day. No one, nothing, just a little cubby hole, glorified closet. And I felt someone was in the sanctuary. Now, if you're down in this part of the town and you feel somebody's in the sanctuary, you better go see who it is. They may be carrying everything in the building off. We've had them come through here, take everything on the platform, in that door and out that door. I stepped out into the sanctuary, no clue. And this incredible presence of God. I begin to weep. It's like a cloud in the place. And I begin to walk around. And I began to cry out to God. I said, God, and God spoke a simple word. He says, I'm going to put you in Malaysia. All of these experiences had a powerful impact on my spirit. I was not seeking any of them, and they all had to do with God's purpose, not mine. What about you this evening? No doubt each of you here, if you've been saved any length of time, you have some kind of familiar story. 
listen to me. Those experiences do not exempt you from having to make decisions of obedience and be willing to pay a price for it to work out in destiny. Too many people right here is the end of the story. My focus tonight is a spiritual experience does not guarantee spiritual destiny or dominion. Joseph has a dream. It has to do with future and dominion. You know the story. He talks about sheaves in the field. These are like a corn stalks. Or he says, there we were binding sheaves in the field. And then behold, my sheave arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheave stood all around and bowed down to my sheave. He's telling his brothers. Then he dreamed again. The sun, the moon, the stars. He dreamed another dream, told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream. This time the sun, moon, eleven stars bowed down to me. And his brother said, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? His dream had to do with dominion in God's affairs in the earth. What I'm saying is, you may have a powerful experience. God may whisper in your ear things, but it will have to be purchased. You'll have to pay a price personally with your flesh, with decisions. Too many fail right here. I want to talk about a few things you must survive. You're going to have to survive the pit places of life to fulfill your dream. Somewhere you're going to spend time in the pit. You know the story? Joseph, his father, sends him to look for his brothers. They're out with the flocks and herds. He's bringing some nourishment. He gets lost along the way. He finally finds them. They see him coming with his coat of many colors. Bible says in 37, 24, they took him, cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Somewhere... You're going to pay the price of the pit. This is a place of betrayal and rejection. These are his own brothers, his own family, those closest to you, friends. And what triggered it was God wanted to use his life. When God wants to use your life, somewhere you'll find the pit waiting on you. Expect it. And what makes it especially painful Those who will orchestrate you being cast into the pit are the ones you least suspect. Think, he brought them. He's he's lost. He's disorientated. The concern of the Father. Many feel Joseph is a type of Christ. He brings the... Then they said to one another, Look, the dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. Jesus said a man's enemies will be those of his own household. In the pit is also a place of loneliness. It was empty. 
If you're going to fulfill what God has put in your heart, somewhere you'll find yourself alone with your dream. No one else. It's empty. It's a place of need. It's a place of uncertainty. Dothan, this is where it happened, means uncertainty. And God will allow you to be cast into the pit because He wants to see what's inside of you. There was no water. It's a place where there's no refreshing. We could talk about barrenness. But somewhere you must understand, God will speak to your heart. God will stir you. God will give you a glimpse of His possibilities. But it's not free. You're going to somewhere find yourself in the pit place of life. How many ever been in the pits? Rest of you hypocrite. If you've lived very long. It's a place where discouragement seems to be like a cloud. I mean, you can imagine the dream. I mean, here he is, the father's favorite. Coat of many colors, incredible blessing. What a contradiction. And now before he even blinks, he's in the pit. It will make you reevaluate and search your heart. I wonder in the pit. I wonder if he thought, maybe I should have handled this a little different. I wonder what triggered this hatred of my own brother. It makes you examine yourself. It makes you say, you know what, God, am I willing to pay this price for what you have for me? And sad to say, many right here is as far as they ever go. They turn back. The past begins to look better than the future. Also, you're going to have to survive Pottersford's house. This is a place of the flesh in the world. Again, he's almost blindsided. Things are going so well in Potiphar's house. I wonder if he begins to think, you know what? This isn't so bad. Things have powerfully turned around. It says these words, Joseph found favor in his sight, served him. Then he made him overseer of all of his house. All that he had he put under his authority. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. There's a lot here, but blessing began to flow. He has a measure of dominion. Everything in Potiphar's house. He's an Egyptian. This is a type of the world. Egypt is always a type of the world. Now he's being successful in the world. And he has some authority over the things that are in the world. The Lord was with Joseph 39.2. And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He's successful. He has a measure of dominion, but his master is Egypt. I see many, they never leave Potiphar's house. They begin to reinterpret the dream right here. They become satisfied with the success in Potiphar's house, the Egyptian's house. I wonder if it hadn't been for Potiphar's wife, Joseph may still be there today. Amen. The problem with Potiphar's house is his wife lives there. 
This is always true in the world. You start being successful hanging out in the world and she's always there. And you know the story, somewhere she will come for you. She cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. She spoke to Joseph day by day. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. Listen, somewhere there's a Potiphar's house and a Potiphar's wife. You're going to have to survive if you're going to enter in to what God showed you the possibilities of life were. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. What about you? Where are you at in your journey with God tonight? Have you just got the coat of many colors? You're there, it's fresh. Have you entered the pit? Are you now at Potiphar's house? Success is flowing around you. You've got some dominion and authority. Or maybe Potiphar's wife is clutching for you. I hate these stories. I get so sick of these stories. Pastor Mitchell just told me yesterday, a man and God, just just crazy, a man with ministry, and and again, put the moves on Potiphar's wife, and she, she fingered him, and he stripped, had just come back from an incredible meeting. You're also going to have to survive the prison places of life. Potiphar's wife, you know she lies about Joseph. Potiphar cast him in prison. This is the place of limitations. This is where things will seem to be beyond your control. But you know what's interesting? God is testing Joseph about dominion and authority along the way. God ultimately is going to give Joseph incredible dominion over an entire kingdom that he can save God's people. He's going to give him incredible influence and authority, but he's testing him along the way. Because again in prison, we know he was an overseer in Potiphar's house, and the Bible says all that Potiphar had was under his authority. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. He's talking about Potiphar's wife. You are his wife. How then can I do this wickedness and sin against God? In a prison, again, there's this incredible authority and dominion. 39.22, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. I believe, listen, you know what God's doing with Joseph? He's giving him measures of authority. And he says, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to use it for your own flesh? Are you going to use it to manipulate people? Are you going to abuse it? Some of you have been in prison. You know, there's no worse place on planet Earth to, to, for the for the possibilities to abuse human life and imprisonment. 
what are you going to do? It says every prisoner was under, and the keeper of the prison, he never even checked up on Joseph. What about you? God begins to release influence. God begins to release anointing, and your words begin to have weight. God begins to give you a congregation, Pastor. God begins to give you and open doors to you in various ministries or even internationally. God begins, it may be a disciple. God begins, He puts you over a Bible study or He puts you over a music group or what an outreach team or whatever. And then He begins to observe what you do with that which He's put under your hand because what you do with that which He put under your hand is going to determine if later He can trust you. He was faithful and that was his least. And you know, Jesus was talking about money. I'll make him ruler over. You're going to have to survive the pit, Potiphar's house, and the prison. What about you? Will you do right when life and other people constantly seem to be doing you wrong? In the prison, I mean Potiphar's house, are you going to do right when people do you wrong? In the prison, you know, he interprets the dreams. Remember me, remember me. And they, are you going to do right when others do you wrong? See, it's going to cost you to live your dream. Psalms 105, 17, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. They laid him in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house, ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Can God test you this evening? He will. Will you pass the test? It has to do with what and how you minister what God has put in you, how you relate to His people. He says, You shall be over my house, 40 40. All my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Jacob, his father, prophesies over Joseph. He says, the archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. I want to tell every disciple, every disciple's wife, every man, woman of God in this place, um, I believe God has an incredible future for our fellowship, our churches, and you as an individual. And God is going to let you see this from time to time. This is very much what conference is about. may not be angels, but somewhere at an altar, God is going to begin to allow you to see what the possibilities of your life are if you put it in His hand. God say, this is what I can do through your life. And that's motivating and that's powerful and that's stirring. But the insanity of the religious world, the insanity of the religious church world today is they get that touch 
that vision, that moment, uh, and they think now it's automatic. Just put it on on speed control, and it's automatic. God will bring it to pass, and it has nothing to do with me. You know the scripture. I've been using it often in this church. Uh, It's interesting to me when Peter, James, and John come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, this incredible, genuine religious experience. I mean, they saw God. The Lord transfigured. God spoke from heaven. I mean, the glory, the cloud, it's all there. They come down from that mountaintop experience and could not deliver a little demon-possessed boy. Why? I mean, and they ask why. Why? God, we just have this incredible encounter. Why didn't it compute out in dominion in the reality of human flesh? Jesus said, because you didn't have to pay a price. This kind come out but by prayer and fasting. You didn't have to pay a price right here. Oh yes, I know. You saw me. You saw me glisten. You saw me transfigured. You heard God speak from heaven. You know, you have it. But you're going to have to personally to activate that in humanity and bring revival and deliverance to a generation that's demon-possessed. You're going to have to personally pay a price. It is not free. It is not free. I have one last thought I want to share with you this evening. It's so powerful to me is that Joseph had this incredible ability to see the hand of God behind whatever scene he was living in life. No matter, seems like in the pit, in the prison places, in Potiphar's house. It's like somewhere he had the ability to keep his heart right, to deal with offenses, disappointments, failures, betrayals, lies, rejection, misunder. I mean, it's unending. 20 years. Of, of, of garbage thrown at him in waves and he was able to dissect and move through that and see God's hand. That is incredible to me. If you cannot see the hand of God in the pit, in Potiphar's house, in the prison places, you will become cynical and bitter. Somewhere along the way, the pit will twist you and you'll spend your whole life. Why? How could they throw me in that place? My own brothers. How could that woman tell such a lie? And how could Potiphar believe it? How could those men forget me when I I told them the dream they had? How could they forget me in prison? Listen to Joseph. He has two children. He names these boys. Chapter 41, 51. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. He said, God, 
I allowed God to work a work in my heart concerning these betrayals and violations. And I named my boy after that revelation. The next, and the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. It's, it's like no matter where you go, you read, and the Lord was with him. But God won't be with you if you get all funky and crazy in a foul attitude. And so here he is. He said, you know what? Even in this place of affliction, he hated it. You know why I know he hated it? Because before he died, he made him promise, take my bones out of here. I may have to spend my whole life here, but my bones don't have to stay here. Listen to Joseph when he speaks to his brothers. Years down the road. You know the story. The famine has come across. You know he had a revelation from God. Seven years of plenty. Seven years of famine. So during the years of plenty. He filled the storehouses. So they'd have plenty in the years of famine. And Jacob's sons. Joseph's brothers. Come to Egypt. Uh, Now he's the prime minister. Years have passed. They don't recognize him. But when he uncovers, listen, he says, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Again, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity to save your lives by a great deliverance. Again in verse 8, So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and ruler throughout Egypt. In other words, here's this, he's making these incredible statements. God caused me. God sent me. God made me. God put me in this place. That's, that's somewhere you must embrace the ability to see the hand of God. In these horrible, disappointing places of life. If not, you'll never obtain the dream God's given you. Somewhere you'll forfeit it. Somewhere it'll slip out of your fingers. Somewhere your own attitude and spirit will cause you. This is how people become rebellious. This is how we lose pastors and and churches. It's somewhere along the way. They cannot survive. What God has ordained. Listen to Joseph. His father's died. His brothers now they think, oh, dad's gone. He's going to kill us now. Last chapter, chapter 50, Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save Many people alive. Can you say that this evening? Can you say God made me? God caused me? God sent me? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In the prophecy that Jacob, when he's dying, he prophesies over Joseph. You know, he speaks about his life. And, and you know, it's easy in retrospect. It's, it's easy for me, you know, you know, 30... 
five, six years down the road to look back and see. But it's one thing to see the hand of God when you're living it, when you're going through it. But listen to this prophecy. I mentioned it earlier. Then he's talking about all this blessing and fruitfulness. His bow, it, it runs over the walls. Nobody can, not, nothing could stop this fruitfulness. Uh, and he said, this blessings, and they shall be on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. You know, one of the things that makes people separate is what I'm speaking, the ability to digest life, put it behind you and move on. That'll make you different. That's what made the three Hebrew boys so different. In my opinion, they stood. That's a powerful thing for every teenager here, every young man, woman. When all of Babylon was bowing to the music and the instruments and the, and the, and the, the insanity, they would not bow. And they went through the furnace and you know the Lord was there. But it's interesting when they came out, the Bible says there was no smell of smoke on them. It's one thing to go through things. It's another thing to come out without stinking. Some people go through things, but they smell so bad. They're still alive. But they put off such an odor. Their bitterness, uh, their attitude. They're cynical, they're critical. They, they they can't believe they're doubters and they're, 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 there's these seeds in them that are just festering and and it's like these these some of these bushes you know stink bushes and stink bugs um, uh, they, they don't seem so ferocious but the older man what about you do you have that ability are you separate like Joseph. I say to you again, one of the major, major, I read all these magazines from the church world and various things, pick up things, watch a little Christian television once in a while when I'm somewhere or another, and over and over there's this incredible fallacy that if I just, if God just touches me, then it's all settled. Well, God wants to touch you, and that can be genuine. But that does not exempt you from a personal price you're going to have to pay to deliver this generation and bring revival. Would you give God praise tonight? I ask you to bow your head with me in this place. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Pastor Adam, back with you again. Just wanted to give you this report that uh, you have been doing a great job of sharing the news of this podcast and continuing to download uh, episodes on a daily basis. The show has been growing by leaps and bounds. There's more of you listening now than at any other time in the podcast history. So we just want to say thank you once again for tuning in and listening to these anointed sermons. We just want to ask you one thing real quick. If you could do us a favor and leave us a review, especially those of you on Apple devices, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, uh, we need some five-star 
reviews, and also uh, if you could leave a few notes in there about what you like best about this podcast, it would really, really help us. I'm sure that you know somebody who could use a daily podcast to get them through the day. Please make sure you share it with them. And uh, also, uh, we are trying to get our hands on sermons from all across our fellowship. If you've got some good ones to share with us, we'd encourage you to please contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to feature your sermons from your church as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this sermon. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.